obviously with any surgical option there are always complications to consider and uh, watch out for. For these bariatric procedures, which complications tend to be the most common would you say? So as with um, any surgical interventions, the uh, of perioperative or short-term complications uh, can include uh, risk of bleeding, risk of infection, uh, risk of thromboembolic events such as DVTs and PEs. Uh, that's something we worry about uh, significantly, especially in this patient cohort. And we take uh, several steps to minimize them, including administration of perioperative uh, subcutaneous heparin, early mobilization, and pneumoboot compressions. But probably the risk that most surgeons worry the most about when doing a gastric bypass or a sleeve gastrectomy is a leak from the staple line. So in case of a sleeve gastrectomy, that obviously you have a long staple line that um, the leak can uh, occur. And in case of the gastric bypass, the leaks that uh, occur, tend to occur are the gastrojejunal anastomosis because you're bringing a loop of small bowel up to the stomach. The anastomosis can sometimes be under a little bit of tension. The, obviously, the blood supply is not as good. So the leaks, when they occur, they tend to be in this area, although there is still a small risk of getting leaks at the jejunojejunal anastomosis further down. So, for example, then, if it's suspected that a patient has leaked post-gastric um, bypass, which tests or investigations uh, might be appropriate in this circumstance? And um, how might it be determined whether a conservative or a surgical approach should be adopted in order to manage the patient? Sure. So I think detecting a leak after a gastric bypass can be actually notoriously difficult. So uh, although sometimes patients present with uh, typical symptoms of you know, uh, fevers, leukocytosis, tachycardia, and upper abdominal pain, sometimes the symptoms can be more uh, vague. And in general, as a clinician and a surgeon, it's important to be have a high suspicion for a leak. So even if sometimes patients present with shortness of breath, um, you know, it, 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 this, should, this differential should come to your mind. The tests that are ordered is usually, obviously, we start with some uh, baseline blood values, check as um, uh, CBC and see what the white count is. It's a full, full, full blood, blood count. count. Yeah, full okay. blood count, exactly. Uh, see what the white, uh, white blood cell count is. Um, and in terms of imaging, uh, you could certainly start with an upper GI um, However, an upper GI doesn't always detect all the leaks. And, um, sorry, just to avoid any confusion, an upper GI in the US is equivalent of what in the UK? Uh, is like an x-ray, a barium swallow. Okay, barium swallow. Barium swallow. Yep. Although you probably you won't use barium, you'll use a gastrograph, and yeah, so it'll be sure. a gastrograph and swallow. Okay. Um, if um, sometimes patients, um, in, uh, you could have that. The other test you could do is a CT scan sure. with oral contrast. You give patients a small amount of gastrographing, get a CT and look for evidence of extravasation. Uh, but I think uh, in general, you should have a high suspicion. And if the imaging is negative, but the patient is clinically uh, shows signs of sepsis and you're worried about a leak, a lot of people just take them back to the operating room and yeah. explore them laparoscopically. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and finally then, um, what kind of follow-up do these patients get? For example, how often would you um, expect to see them in clinic? Are there uh, any other members of um, the MGT, like a bariatric nurse specialist or dietitian, etc., who are involved on, uh, within the ongoing care of these patients? Sure, great question. Um, so patients are seen in the um, perioperative period usually two and six weeks after surgery. Uh, 
purpose of that from a surgical standpoint, obviously, to make sure the wounds have healed well and, uh, well and they're doing well and no evidence of any surgical complications. Uh, during this time, they're also seen by the dietitians, and in fact, I think those visits are probably most critical to the patient because during this phase after surgery, they progress their diet. So they go home on a liquid-only diet for two weeks, and after that, they advance to a soft diet, and after uh, four weeks after that, they start slowly progressing diet to a more diverse consistency and also contents. So um, the dietary and the dietitian visit during this time period is very important. We all, we, during the first year, in general, the patients are seen uh, every three months. In the second year, they're seen every six months. And after that, <clears throat> we like to see our patients annually. And during these visits, what we do is we check their blood, blood tests and blood values to rule out any evidence of uh, nutritional deficiencies. And we monitor their weight loss. We assess their comorbid um, status and make sure that the diabetes or the hypertension has resolved. Um, and they continue to see the dietitian during these visits regularly. And the regular follow-up is really important because not only it helps us uh, make sure that nutritionally they're doing well, uh, we also try to identify uh, problems uh, early and we can be proactive rather than reactive to adverse situations that may be coming. Um, and there's also a, a, some suggestion that patients who follow up regularly, they tend to do better and risks of weight regain or inadequate weight loss tends to be uh, less. Um, I think I talked about this uh, earlier, but uh, during follow-up, we also have uh, psychologists available, and we, in fact, encourage them to see them once or twice during the first year uh, to provide any assistance that they need with uh, 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 lifestyle changes. Okay, so they, they have a lot of support, of kind of pre, during, and yeah. post-surgery then. And, and I think another uh, source of uh, support that should be highlighted is other patients. Okay, so we, yeah. in fact, either have support groups where patients come in and they meet and interact with other patients in a similar stage of recovery, and they share stories and challenges, and a lot of patients find that really extremely helpful. Oh, that's great. Um, well, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Not at all. Pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another podcast brought to you by School of Surgery. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook at School of Surgery, on iTunes, on Podomatic at schoolofsurgery.podomatic.com, and finally, by searching School of Surgery on YouTube. Thank you very much, and see you next time.